Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome to a spooky post-Halloween edition of the Inside Zone Podcast. While we've got some some Halloween creepiness, talking zombies, aka the Seattle offensive line, we're more about the upcoming 5th of November. It's bonfire night, so we'll be burning a guy of the entire Cleveland Browns, and we'll be talking fireworks, Vola's fun deadline day trades. Well, anyway, I'm Nick Dunkerson, I'm joined as always by Editor-in-Chief and the villain from all those spooky Scooby-Doo stories, Tom Like. How's it going, Tom? I'm very well, thank you. I will be not cracking as many jokes as last week after they went down like a, a lead balloon, so let's see how it goes this week. A relief to everyone, I'm sure. We're also joined this week by um, the Inside Zone's Falcons expert, Tom Willoughby. If that name's familiar, you might have heard him on that Coombs Talk Sports show where he's a regular contributor. Willow, thanks very much for gracing us with your presence, and I hope you don't mind slumming it with a scroats too much. The pleasure is all yours. <laughs> That's a good start, isn't it? Um, good joke, <laughs> say, I reckon. Um, obviously, we have to talk trade, but I think we're going to start by having a look at the weekend's best game up there in the Pacific Northwest. And what better place to start? The Houston Texans, a team who it's fair to say have been a bit of a snooze fest in, in recent years. They took their suddenly dynamic, exciting young team to Seattle for an absolute barnstormer. Rolls in the backfield. Wilson, caught touchdown! Graham! Can't really do a quick summary of the game. The highlights from NFL.com are 12 minutes long. Um, but suffice to say, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson combining for over 850 passing yards and eight touchdowns, drawing huge games from Will Fuller, Nook Hopkins, Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett along the way. 41-38 in the end, a whole gamut of talking points. Tom, why don't you kick us off with a few takeaways? So apart from having Will Fuller on my bench this week, uh, I'm going to try and talk positively about the Texans. So uh, the main takeaway I had away from this was kind of like a macro thing, if you take a look at it. So to me, it, it kind of seems that this game was kind of evidence of the, what the future of the NFL looks like. You know, we've had Brady versus Manning, Kelly, you know, Marino, Elway, Aikman in the past. Um, you know, we've talked about it before in this podcast, the future of the NFL, where it seems to be we're getting deteriorating offensive line play. And the way that college is kind of set up with these more mobile quarterbacks it seems to be the way that more and more teams seem to be going because, you know, that's the type of quarterback that comes out, comes out of the draft. I think this could very well, we could look at this in like, you know, five to ten years time, but this is the, you know, the blueprint of teams going forward with mobile quarterbacks who are scrambling around, making plays on, on the ground. Um, another quick takeaway I had from this was that Russell Wilson, to we spoke last week about, the MVP conversation with Carson Wentz and Alex Smith. You know, why not Russell Wilson? I mean, he had 452 yards um, through the air, four touchdowns. Um, he's done it now. Three straight wins over tough defenses, Rams, Giants, Texans. He had a near-perfect game. Uh, and this is without, I mean, his running back's got three yards rushing on the ground. That's something that's incredibly hard to do. Uh, he's turning obscure lanes like Paul Richardson into stars. Uh, the Hawks put up 41 points. This was an incredibly impressive performance from Wilson. I'm not sure if you guys had any more takes away from this. Um, I, it's got an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, I think Wilson, Wilson is MVP. I don't think he's quite there yet. I don't think he's quite at 2015 form when he also didn't win it. Um, I'm a bit worried for the Texans' defence. Um, like, 41 points. I mean, they got two sacks of Wilson with... Um, 
that offensive line. I mean, zombies, they kind of move slowly and shufflingly like zombies. Um, you know, one interception of Wilson, when he's throwing that much and that long, that's not impressive. This was supposed to be a, a defence that could cope without J.J. Watt. I mean, and you look at the talent, you look at Jadevian Clowney, who was probably the bright spot on defence. Um, but plenty of other kind of upcoming young players like Zach Cunningham just didn't really turn up. I mean, Jonathan Joseph, we know, is a good corner. Um, it's it's a bit of an underwhelming performance on D. And I, I was a bit surprised as well that... Um, well, actually, actually, no, thinking about it, do you know what? I don't. I think the Seattle defensive performance is a bit weird that Houston managed to get 38 points by basically pulling out all the stops. And I don't think it... I don't think the 38 points that Seattle conceded reflected badly on them as a 41 on Houston. They got more sacks. They got more interceptions. They somehow kept a little bit more on top of the game um, when Watson was pulling out all the fireworks. Um, well, what did you think of this game? Did you watch it? I know the Falcons weren't involved, so you might not have done, but let's try. <laughs> the Well, I, the biggest takeaway I can have from watching the 12-minute highlight reel 20 minutes ago um, <laughs> was that the Texans don't appear to be able to cover the middle of the field defensively. Um, Jimmy Graham, well, won the game uh, at the end, but it was, uh, I forget the guy's name, Madden, I think, um, managed to break away for about 40 yards or something across the middle. I think you might be right about Russell Wilson, though. Um, I've long thought he's good, there's a, a, a scorching hot take of mine there. Um, but he, uh, he he's, he's a player who is keeping Seattle relevant despite the offensive talent around him. Although we, we know what Jimmy Graham can do um, in, in the right circumstances. It's not like they've got a big name wide receiver for him to target, nor have they got a running game, so to speak of. I'd like, I think, I think Russell Wilson is a shout should uh, Seattle bounce back in the uh, in the division but yeah um, I mean Texans we'll, might need to look defensively should this be something moving forward that's such a non-committal piece of analysis <laughs> but there's a very interesting you look at the um, the box score and compare the sort of the number of tackles that Seattle had with the number of um, tackles that the Texans have it's it's very bizarrely different and you don't normally see that whereas Texans in tackle Clowney had four you've got sort of KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner combining for 17 between them and then sort of from then it's similar levels of tackles just an interesting thing that pops out I mean the one thing we've not really talked about um, which I guess has been the topic of conversation with this game is Deshaun Watson now I remember being really quite torn about him coming out of Clemson I mean you mm. sort of got this in inkling that he was a born winner even when he was yeah. he didn't look like an NFL-ready quarterback necessarily. He didn't look entirely accurate. You worried about him from the pocket. You knew he was this sort of playmaker. And actually, interesting that he's up against Russell Wilson because there are some similarities there in their improvisational skills, in their ability to roll out fantastic on play action. Um, I'm really surprised at how well he's doing. And obviously, oh, I'm not yeah. the only one. Obviously, the, the entire Cleveland Browns organization is really surprised at how well he's doing. Um, but... It's just he's, he can do the things that conventional quarterbacks can do and he can scramble. He's got this inventive side He's fan, and he is really fantastic out of play action. Yeah. For what it's worth, I don't quite have him as rookie of the year because I think you've got another offensive rookie who is actually the best in the league at their position, which is Kareem Hunt. But, I mean, a few more games like that and we're probably 
it would be very hard to suggest otherwise, I think. I, I mean, let's just be be honest now. I mean, this Deshaun Watson we're seeing now is very different to the one we saw in the preseason. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I did a film study of him where I watched all the you know all his tapes so far in 2017, and watching him in the preseason, you know, he he couldn't even connect on a little five or ten yards. You know, he was sailing the ball over receivers' heads. Maybe you know it took took a few weeks to settle down. You know, maybe the you know the the game obviously speeds up in the NFL, but I mean the progression he's had so quickly. I mean, let's give Bill Bill O'Brien some credit here. Uh, some, no, someone never, someone who, never. who normally never gets much, but I mean what he's incorporating this. I mean, you watch the game against Seattle. There's so much motion shifting, uh, the exotic formations they're coming out of. You know, it's just little things like this this motion that you know tells the quarterback whether they're in man or zone coverage and uh, you know we always lose a born winner and you can kind of see that there he wasn't afraid to you know go after Richard Sherman Earl Thomas which most veteran quarterbacks wouldn't even dare to do and even after you know Thomas picked him as a Sherman he was still you know going back to the well as it were he, he was just totally fearless and this this Texans team now you know the AFC for a long time they've needed you know a couple of superstars and a superstar team and the AFC South especially and now we've got DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, and Jadavian Clowney, who was an absolute monster. You know, this this is this could be a, a fun team to watch for the for the coming coming years. It could be a, a changing of the guard as 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 the Patriots and the Steelers begin to age. Well, they're in a real carry on, carry on. Go on, Willow. Go on Willow. No, I was going to say they're they're in a real good spot um, simply because of the division they're in. Um, they they kind of. You, you say give credit to Bill O'Brien, but let's be really, he didn't really have much other option but to play. Uh, the, the the boy Deshaun rather than Tom Savage. Um, the the teams in their division are, are hot and cold. Um, they're as as good as they're they're in a position as good as anyone to to take hold of it. And I would quite like to see uh, Deshaun Watson break out in the way that we think he will, or might rather. Again, non-committal analysis. That's, <laughs> that's my forte. <laughs> well, the AFC South is, is proving, as you said, to be as, as thrilling as ever. Um, of course, with all this exciting quarterbacks between um, him and Marcus Mariotti, you just know that we're going to have Blake Bortles in the playoffs, just despite oh. NFL fans everywhere. But while we're talking quarterbacks, let's move on. And let's move on to the big thing this week. Um, in Britain, if you follow the round football, obviously we are exposed to transfer deadline day and all of the media that goes around it, which is basically um, uh, purple phalluses being poked into um, reporters' ears outside Stoke or Everton or wherever it was. Harry Redknapp um, in a car was always a comment. Harry Redknapp in a car. It's pretty depressing because stuff that happens, no one is ever happy about. Conversely, here we are. Um, trade deadline day in the NFL is normally a snooze fest. It's normally something like, a situation edge rusher, a nickelback, a, a blocking tight end traded. But suddenly we've had trade after trade after trade after trade this year. It's been fantastic. So where better to start, say, with quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, the highly rated backup formerly now of the New England Patriots, has traded to San Francisco 49ers in exchange for what will likely be a high second-round pick. Um, in response, the 49ers released Brian Hoyer, who was their current backup, who has now signed back in New England. He's he used to be a bracket to Tom Brady. Um, this is a fascinating, fascinating trade. Um, Willow, I'm going to launch you as a newbie in this first. What do you think about this trade? Well, I, th- I think it says more about what the, the likes of well, it, what the more about what the likes of Carl Shanahan think about the, the the current quarterback class coming out of college. Um, I know that it's a second round pick, but 
let, let's be fair, it's not like the San Francisco 49ers are going to win much more than three at this point. So they, they're going to have a top five pick in the first and, and, then, and then, what, 30... 33, yeah. 34, um, 35, but that maybe, yeah. Something like that. Remember as well, so, they've got they've got the same second round pick from the Alvin Kamara trade as well last year. So they've still got a second round pick as well, the Niners. So, I mean, they're, they're, having that amount of picks is paying off for them there. By all accounts, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. He's played, what, five quarters as a starter? Um, no, that's may, maybe a bit more. Um, six, I think. I think he's had six quarters, yeah. <laughs> so it's... It's, 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 it's a lot to give up for someone who there's not a great deal of tape on. However, they obviously think they've got more in him than they would someone coming straight out of college. Someone who's worked um, underneath Tom Brady, it's got to be worth something. Um, and Kyle Shanahan kind of knows what to do to get a quarterback to work. It, it, it might well end up being one of, the, one of the better trades that we see for a quarterback for the next couple of years, maybe. Um, that being said... I, one of my one of my better friends is a 49ers fan and he's over the moon that something's happened so at the very <laughs> least they've got that they've got that going for them um it, i don't sometimes yeah. sometimes franchises just just do just need that spark um obviously you watched uh, um a bit quite a bit of Kyle Shanahan Atlanta what does Garoppolo need to demonstrate to succeed in Shanahan's system so he's going to need to show that he is able to be somewhat mobile not incredibly mobile um but a lot of shanahan's system relies on play action and bootleg and that kind of thing and given that he's a relatively young guy i imagine he is going to be able to do some sort of movement he's helped by having a pretty good running back um i don't think carlos i gets enough credit for agree with that. being a good running back um so i mean it helps that they, they can at least lean on that somewhat um and just just be accurate. Um, CJ Beathard's not been accurate. Brian Hoyer isn't accurate. <laughs> um, they, they, I understand that the, the wide receiver group in San Francisco isn't outrageously talented, but there's enough there for you to think that maybe they should be able to move the ball down a little bit better with someone a bit more competent. Over the next, I can't imagine he'll play this week. Um, and if he does, it'll probably be in the last quarter just to kind of like, get the crowd off their back more than likely um well the, 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 the 49ers want to buy this week so he's probably not going to be that'll definitely help playing. that'll definitely help with the crowd of course yeah um <laughs> oh, right. no, actually, I'm, I'm talking rubbish i'm looking at a 2016 i'm looking at 2016 they're not by this week at all sorry i'm talking rubbish um oh the crowd the crowd will definitely be on them in that case all 50 of them um oh it's, no it's fair. Okay. No one drives fifty miles south to go and watch them. Um, I imagine he'll, he'll get some game time, and he will show enough competency for them to make him the designated starter moving forward, and then just throw more interception, uh, more touchdowns than interceptions. I think that's the bare minimum. What do you think, Tom? Um, good trade. For uh, all concerned, I, I was going to say, yeah, I think that the two teams involved, you can make the argument that both are winners. Uh, third party such as the Browns and Kirk Cousins are clearly losers but yeah for, for both teams involved in the Patriots they entered the season with the best succession plan in the NFL they had Tom Brady who was you know for, getting into his 40s now likely going to play to 45 they had uh, Brissett and Garoppolo there in case you know Father Time finally caught up with him but all of a sudden they've got no one there they seem to have Brian Hoyer but 
I mean, on the flip side, you can say they're a winner because at the end of the day, they got something for a player who was probably going to, you know, leave for nothing at the end of the year. So they managed to recuperate a high second round pick, which they can, you know, use for another quarterback that's going to, you know, see out his four year rookie contract and then probably get trade capital. It seems to be a, a reoccurring theme of the Patriots. And then for the 49ers, you know, they've got a talented young signal caller who quarterback guru Carl Shanahan can develop. Uh, the 2014 draft, I think you'll remember, Blake Bortles went third, Manziel 22nd, Bridgewater 32nd. But uh, Carl Shanahan, Derek, his, his top... Derek Carr 36th, yeah, don't yeah, forget. Yeah, that's, I was just about to say, um, Carl Shanahan, when he was the OC at the Browns, and obviously they, they, took them, they took Manziel, but his top two quarterbacks were Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, if only the Browns had listened to him then. Maybe, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But but Shanahan, you know, he's always been quite high in Garoppolo. Uh, the 49ers, you know... They gave away a second-round pick, a high one. But like you said, they've got that one from the Alvin Kamara deal from the Saints. So they've now seemed to have got a quarterback that they can develop. An extremely high pick in the first round next year. They can either trade down or, I don't know, take someone like a Saquon Barkley. Uh, that, that could be someone that could be interesting to watch there. And then they've probably got, I think I looked it up yesterday, they've got about $100 million plus in draft capital that, can, that John Lynch can just splurge you know, in the offseason. It, it, it seems to be a win-win for both involved. Um, obviously, I alluded to the losers there. Nick, have you got any... Any losers to take away from this? Ah, oh, Tom taking over and asking the questions. There. Look at that. Um, right I, back I, there. I, 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 have, I have the Patriots down as a little bit of a loser because suddenly they've gone from this fantastic succession plan. And it was a little bit of trying to have your cake and eat it. You want someone who is, in some eyes, a top 16 quarterback as a backup not playing for essentially the first four or five years of his career. Maybe they would have franchised him next year. If they'd have let him walk, they'd, they would have still got a compensatory third-round pick. So a high second-round pick is up on there. But, I mean, yeah, it's they, they've this was always going to happen if Tom Brady didn't retire. I think, I think we were a little bit naive to think that someone... I mean, because we know that um, the Patriots managed to do this with Matt Castle when they franchised him and traded him away. I think... It wasn't so realistic with Garoppolo just because he was a young, highly rated player, second round pick rather than seventh round that Castle was. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, I think it, I, I do generally think it's quite a low risk trade for all parties, though, because if Garoppolo crashes and burns in San Francisco and they decide to cut ties at the end of the season, it's, it's a second round pick. But like we said, it's a second round pick when they already have another second round pick. They can still go and get a very good quarterback, if not the number one overall pick. Um, if they're not sure of Garoppolo, they've got the cap space to franchise him and go for lock, evaluate him for longer. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Patriots, I suppose they do get a second round pick and Belichick does love his second round picks. So we'll see. I, I mean, yeah, I think, I think, I think Garoppolo's going to get time. And as long as he shows something, I think that might be enough because it, if San Francisco get a couple of wins more than Cleveland and aren't picking first overall, I think, they will probably stick with Garoppolo as long as he displays some of the competence we saw in those first six quarters of the 2016 season. Anyway, let's let's move on. Um, we're going to talk, um, because quarterbacks aren't cool enough, we're going to talk offensive tackles now. Um, we're going to specifically Dwayne Brown, um, who is, I think this is going to have the biggest impact on the 2017 season. So Dwayne Brown traded to Seattle for um, what has turned out to be um, a second round pick in 2018, the third round pick in 2019. Um, Seattle also get a fifth round pick and such the way that these works. But Brown is a ninth year player. He's a former All-Pro left tackle. He's 32 years old, but he's a very good player. Um, he's been on howl out mostly in Houston. The O-line held up 
I guess you would say acceptably at best um, without him having a mobile quarterback um, like Deshaun Watson does. I know in some evaluators eyes mean that you can somewhat de-emphasize the O-line. Um, I mean, there's also um, some other things bubbling under the radar. Drain Brown was a bit of a locker room leader, particularly in anthem protests. We know that Bob McNair, the Texans owner, has some. Oh, how how do you phrase this politely? I don't, I'm not opinions. sure that you. I'm not sure that you can. I think you would have to say that there are some horrific opinions about um, his playing staff about that seem to have come out in that NFL meeting and that and. You know, there was the anecdote that Dwayne Brown told that um, I don't know if you've seen whereby after Obama was elected, uh, Bob McNair basically came into the Texans locker room and told them all how unhappy he was about Barack Obama being elected and that he didn't care if they liked it, that sort of thing. But we can say that's a factor or not. I think given that he's been holding out all year, I think there was a fairly decent chance he was going to get traded. Um, and this trade's really important for Seattle. You could de-emphasize the O-line, but you can't de-emphasize the O-line as much as they have. They need a top tackle to protect Russell Wilson. They've now at least got one side sorted out to a certain extent, as long as Brown plays well. He's a better pass blocker than run blocker, so I wouldn't expect it to do much for, say, Eddie Lacey or Thomas Rawls. But if it just gives him that half extra second to improvise or that little bit more space, what it's going to mean is those intermediate passes, so Doug Baldwin, Jimmy Graham specifically, I think, are going to be... um, really benefiting i think he'll still improvise enough in the way that he can occasionally get the long balls going that we saw against against houston in fact um so i think it could really help russell wilson this year and you you guys have both said is he an outsider for mvp well now he's we've given him that little bit more of a chance i mean for the texans they know that watson's good they can build for the future that extra second round pick's going to make up for the loss of the 2018 first rounder that got them watson they've still got needs but they've got a few young key players here like watson clowny zach cunningham nook hopkins and will fuller and they can really get building for the future as well as with the AFC south play for now so that's my long rant because you know I love to talk offensive tackles, as you all know. Any thoughts on this? I was going to say it's, it's probably the move that would cement Russell Wilson as an MVP contender, um, providing it all works out uh, as we would hope. Um, I think one of the forgotten things about this trade was that Jeremy Lane part of the the deal, but that kind of fell through and he failed medical. Was that, did I imagine? Yeah, that? he failed his physical um, and it meant that basically the Texans got a third round, 2019 third round pick as a result. Yeah. I mean, there is no way Jeremy Lane is worth a third round pick. He's not good at all. So. You take that. I think you take that. Um, but yeah, exciting times in Seattle. I think, I think that'll help them uh, if the especially especially if the Eagles continue on the path that they are on, uh, to at least become a playoff contender deep into the playoffs, um, I like it. I think it's a good trade. Yeah, well apart, done, Seattle. Apart from his age, scares me a little bit. The fact that he's thirty-two years old, but I think we forget. Worth that thirty-six is get bossing it for the Rams. I would say straight away. That's true, but I mean, we forget that you know there was a there was a stretch there for two or three years where you could legitimately make the argument that Dwayne Brown was a top three tackle in the NFL. You know, alongside. Jason Peters and Joe Thomas from 2011 through to about 2013-14. You know, he he was a very good starting left tackle, and you know he's struggled with injury since last year. But you know, th- th- this is this has the potential to significantly upgrade a perennially poor Seahawks offensive line. I think you know most people are going to concentrate on the Garoppolo trade and the other trades that we're going to talk about later. But in terms of you know impact for a team Super Bowl 
you know, implications this year. This could be the the most meaningful trade, and yet most people will just see it to tackle and ignore it. Given he's what, what thirty two, did you say? Is this a statement from from the uh, the Seahawks that they think that their Super Bowl window is maybe starting to close a little bit, and they're just trying to do everything they can to extend it for as much as possible, or keep it open as much as possible? If you want to continue the metaphor. I think you're trying to take Nick's, Nick's job off him there, but we, we, we could be getting Willow <laughs> back next week as host if he keeps asking these great questions to me, Nick. But, um, well, no, I, I spoke about it earlier in the year. I think, you know, if you look at the run that the Seahawks defense has had, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, blue chip, high caliber names there who've seemed to have stuck around for a very long time. And sooner or later, those guys are going to get into the, the later you know, stages of their career and are going to want to cash in elsewhere around the league. So I, I do think this, this, um, this window, as it were, is, is closing. Maybe they've got, you know, two to three more years and you probably think if you get Dwayne Brown you can get a few good years out of him but I don't know I think this this instantly improves that you know Seahawks offense and you know obviously he's a better pass but they've brought him in to help Russell Wilson but hopefully he can give some help to that that uh, run blocking unit because they need to find some some running backs quick in Seattle. I think, I think that's, you've both been a little, um, a little pessimistic about the older um, Seahawks window I think young, young players like Shaquille Griffin um, Delano Hill coming through. I think I think they've got replacements ready in the secondary, but um, we'll brush over that because it's time to do our contractually obliged segment. We are a, you probably guessed from the accents, you, well, you probably knew already actually, that we are a British podcast and we are contractually obliged whenever um, London's JHI oh, hits the news or England's JHI, Britain's JHI hits the news. If we don't talk about him, then Neil Reynolds comes and locks himself in a lift with us and talks about us for half an hour. So, without further ado, Miami have decided to sack off the JGI experiment and send him to Philadelphia for a meagre fourth-round pick. Now, obviously, it would be remiss of me not to give um, noted Dolphins fan, editor-in-chief, um, Tom Like the chance to talk about this first. So, go on, Tom. Hit us up. Oh, well, you know, this seems to be my therapy session weekly where I get to, you know, talk about the Dolphins on here. But I was looking forward to this week to not talking about the Dolphins at all. And then this sprung up on my phone at work yesterday. And I, I thought it was a trick or treat at first. I was thinking, you know, the, the worst offense in the NFL. We've got one good player potentially outside of... That's uh, a bit harsh. You now we've got Jarvis Landry, a few others there. But, you know, it, it was a total shock. But then you kind of, you kind of, you know, stand back from it, think about it a bit. And it seems to make a bit of sense. Um, the only way I can break this down is what both teams kind of get out of this so for, for the Dolphins the JHI they've had so far this year is the JHI who was left at home in week one of 2016 did not travel to Seattle uh, there's been multiple reports Armando Salguero who's the um, he's one of the Dolphins beat writers he's you know very trusted source he he actually broke this story that the, that the Dolphins were trading JHI and he said as much you know a couple of hours beforehand that they were actively looking to ship him uh, he's noted that he, you know, he spoke to people on the inside. He said that he's been extremely disruptive, unhappy, and that essentially, and I mean, you'd look at last Thursday's performance against the Ravens, and Gase really he called Ajayi out in the in the post game press conference. I mean, instead of taking a three to five yard gains, he's always looking to bounce outside and kind of goes off script, which you know these offensive minded head coaches that they hate because every play they draw up is going to go for an eighty yard touchdown run. So if you go off script, you know it's it's it, it just does their head in. Uh, the knee was always a concern coming out of college, and maybe the Dolphins are taking a bit of a bet, thinking it's some sort of long-term view. It's a ticking time bomb. 
below, you know, it's below average production bar a few crazy games. And I mean, he's lost his third down duties this 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 year. A couple of weeks ago, he lost it to Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams. And if you look at Pro Football Focus, you know, do a very good job at grading. He is the lowest ranked running back graded this year in terms of pass catching. You know, and that's something he worked on. Uh, for Philadelphia, they've already got the best record in the NFL. Actually, no, I won't talk about Philadelphia. I'll just talk about the Dolphins. I'll, I'll let you guys go there. I've, I've, <laughs> I've had enough of my rant there. We'll, we'll leave JJ at that for me. But you know, I I think that was quite restrained. You didn't you didn't talk for too long. Um, I do feel highly skeptical that um, Adam Gase is in any kind of position to send a message about locker room unity and motivation, given that he signed Jay Cutler earlier in the season. I mean, come on. Um, but I think I, I mean all that we've heard about JJ's attitude throughout. His pro career um, has been questionable. The yeah. knees, we don't know. Um, I know a bit in the run-up to the draft, Mike Mayock said that they were considered to be bone-on-bone, bone, which you don't want. Oh, God. But he's managed two and a bit seasons, so yeah. maybe it was a bit that was a bit overstated. But there is obviously going to be about fear. I mean, that's why he was a fifth-round pick when he was obviously sort of a probably an early second-round talent. Yeah, I had him second, um, third round. Yeah, I, I, I think this is good. This is a again a relatively low um, risk trade. Especially for Philadelphia, I mean, they could they can spell the Garrett Blunt. I mean, Philadelphia have struggled because they haven't got the time on the field that they wanted out of Wendell Smallwood, who's a second year, primarily pass catching, but nifty between the tackles back. Um, out, they don't have necessarily a very deep running back core. That it's been better than expected because Blunt has been better than expected. I think everyone expected um, Pittsburgh Steelers Blunt this year, and they got actually a decent impression of Pat Blunt. Um, but you, I mean, I, I, I don't like, I don't, I didn't rate JJ coming into the season. I didn't, I didn't think that overall he was good last season. He's a very, very inefficient runner. He had those three huge games, and then you kind of look at the game log and you look at the amount of games when he was um, popping off under three yards of carry yeah. on average. And there was something that um, I remember it was that Joe Thomas was talking about. I think I mentioned last week where he's talking about rushing efficiency. Um, you're looking for about 60% rushing efficiency. So that's going for um, uh, four yards on first or second down or converting um, third and short, second and short, that sort of thing. And Ajayi just, he wasn't amazing at it for a lot of no. games last year. And he's been he's been more bust. He's been more bust. Yeah, he is. And, and that, that's, that's not something that you can have your workhorse running back be. Um, Willow, you got any thoughts on um, contractually obliged London's JHI um, going to the city of brotherly love? I think uh, London-born's JHI has found himself in the best situation he possibly can. Um, the Eagles' offensive line's pretty good. I, I, well, I, I it think, wasn't I think until Jesse Peters got injured. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, even so, it's, it's not it's not terrible. I, I don't think he's going to be... I don't, I don't think he's going to take over... Um, all duties from Legarrette Blunt just yet. Um, I can't. I can't imagine they just throw him in the deep end in the next couple of weeks. And Legarrette Blunt's been quite good, as you say. Pretty much everything I was going to say, you kind of covered. Um, I just. I, <laughs> I, I think he's going to be. A, I think he's going to be a fantastic shirt seller, uh, and I hope him he among the best. Uh, uh, one little point that I had here that you know I, I don't know why, but I seem to always look at these. These trades, because most of the time when you trade things, it, it's normally to do a salary cap. And you look at how the Eagles, they've had this incredible run. You know, they're, they're the number one team in the NFL this year. 
Alshon Jeffrey, he's obviously there for a, a one-year deal, which means he's, he's, you know, he's playing the best ball he can to try and get the biggest contract possible, which means the Eagles haven't got much. You know, he's not going to be there. Not going to be on the hook for a long term. And you look at the Jai contract. Now he's a fifth-round pick for this season. The range, remainder of this season and next season, they're going to pay him one million dollars total for a year and a mm. half work. And you, you have to think, you know, the Eagles, they get the sense that you know they've got Jeffrey on this deal. Uh, they've got a Jai very cheap. Wentz is on his rookie contract. You know the Eagles legitimately they, they think this is their year, and you know everything that we've seen seems seems to support that. But I just found it astounding that they're going to get a year and a half out of a Jai for you know one million dollars, and they'll probably cut Blunt at the end of the year and then just roll with a Jai on his six hundred k salary next year. It's just, it's phenomenal. Depending on how a Jai does, anyway. So, I, I think he'll do well. He's got all the traits of a top five running back. You know, he, he's a boom and bust runner. When you put him behind, when when he did well last year was when the Dolphins could you know give him a two yard push, which meant all he had to do was force a linebacker or safety to miss, and that meant he was off to the races. And I mean, if you put him behind that Eagles offensive line, hmm. I say this, you know, uh, with with a better quarterback as well, just yeah. kind of I mean you've got a diverse offense. Exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, really hard. No. And th- and this this Eagles offense is third in the NFL at the minute, and they've just stuck. A guy who has the potential to be a 1,000-plus-yard runner, you know, obviously hasn't got a touchdown this year, but that kind of speaks to how the Dolphins' offense as a whole is at the minute. I think well, the biggest we... surprise for me was that it was only a fourth-round pick. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, presumably because I am born and raised in the United Kingdom, he's the biggest name here. Um, I, I just assumed that he'd go for like a second, maybe. I don't know. But a, a fourth-round pick seems quite quite small in comparison to the hype around him but maybe again i, I, th- maybe that's I think a lot of that is the fear about health because yeah. it, it's mm. knees a sort of thing and if, if it's as described that can just go at any time um and that's i mean that's why sort of it's a similar thing with sort of more even more talented players like why miles jack was a second round pick that sort of thing it does make people nervous and the fact that he seems to be well seems to have the potential to be locker room poison probably didn't help either um, we should probably move on. Um, one more trade quickly to look at. Um, Kelvin Benjamin. Um, maybe you don't find him one of the most exciting players, but he's in two of my fancy teams, so you're going to shut up and listen. Um, Kelvin Benjamin was a Carolina's number one wide receiver, and he's gone to Buffalo. Um, and this makes next to no sense to me from Carolina's mm-hmm. point of view. Um, Carolina have been drafting big targets, wide receivers, um, as a way of mitigating Cam Newton's they had. accuracy issues. Well, they had. Yeah, very very true. Cam Newton, not the most accurate quarterback, fantastic quarterback on his day. Um, 2015 is still an, is, was an incredible season to watch him as a passer and a runner. But they had um, Benjamin, they had Fun- Devin Funchess still there, they had Greg Olsen, obviously a great tight end, couldn't have injured reserve. Um now, without Olsen and, and with um, Benjamin traded, you've got Devin Funches, who is, I mean, he's really a poor man's Kelvin Benjamin. Exactly. And yeah. beyond that, you're looking at sort of sub six foot, um, if you're being mean, you'd describe as gadget players like Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. And I don't really know what they're playing at. They're not putting Cam Newton, they're not putting themselves in the best position to succeed. They can't get the running game going. Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey has really not been schemed for well and has generally struggled running between the tackles. All that work that Dave Gettleman, the former um, uh, general manager, put into building a roster capable of getting to Super Bowl, they're deconstructing it. And I can't really tell why. I mean, they were 5-3. They were in the playoff hunt. They were um, half a game behind the Saints and decent chance of at worst wild card. And I think that sort of goes out the window now. What do you think? Uh, I'll let Willow go first, I think. 
Ah, it's hilarious. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they've moved him on this week. Um, they've done us a great favour. Um, I, I think in, in Buffalo, I think that the tank's gone out the window. At one point prior to the season, it looked like they were maybe gearing up to, well, lose, lose as many games as possible. But they've found themselves in a position where they can now win games. Um, they've managed to pair Tyrod Taylor with, I forget the guy's name, uh, the, the, uh, Matthew, Jordan Matthews Jordan and Matthews. Calvin Benjamin. Um, which is a pretty okay wide receiver duo. Um, yeah, it's it's good that Ta- Taylor's finally been put in a position to succeed because he seems like he's got short shrift from um, people ever since he got the starting job in Buffalo. Yeah, I like him. I think he's he's a good guy. Um, and obviously, uh, LaShawn McCoy at the backfield as well. Is, is it LaShawn McCoy? I, I always get LaShawn so, McCoy yeah. and the other one mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that but Buffalo all of a sudden have a pretty okay looking offense, and they they might actually dare I say they might actually consider maybe playing playing in the playoffs this year. I don't know. Well, it, it, at, it's something to consider for them. I think at five two they're in position to. In fact, Buffalo travel to um, uh, New Jersey to take on the New York Airport Jets, as uh, Mike Carlson always used to refer to them as. Actually, no, the New York Airport Jest, didn't he? Good old Mike Carson. Everyone, we all, we all love him here at <laughs> the Inside Zone. Um, so that's the Thursday night game. So, you know, get up, stick it on Game Pass first thing Friday morning. <laughs> if, if, like me, you're currently on paternity leave or something and you're waking up at God knows what hour, then you can watch it during the night. Um, trades, they were fun, weren't they? I love Trade Deadline Day. I'm glad that it's kind of, I just hope it doesn't get, as I said, this sort of stupid ridiculous sky sportsy coverage that um deadline day gets uh, round football in yeah. the uk I, I don't think you've done the panthers justice there for, for I, I don't think we we defended you know that obviously i, I no, the... no 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 don't defend the panthers oh, it's just i like i like the panthers but i don't like them doing stupid things it's not it's not really stupid though because i mean you look at it you look at you look at the offense and you know the, the big decision this year with the draft they went for Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey because that offense needed an injection of it needed an injection of speed they had Kelvin Benjamin Greg Olson Jonathan Stewart they weren't they weren't stretching defenses and at this you know Kelvin Benjamin they, was, was they a, haven't managed to stretch them with it, those players it, built into the offense exactly because he's been very involved he's just not well, ben, been good Benjamin is to me Funchess is a, is, a, is a Benjamin light and you know Funchess is on the hook for 1.5 million 1.7 million next year whereas next year you've got 8.5 million for Kelvin Benjamin and why on earth would you pay 6 million more for that when you know you could probably go get yourself you know someone on the on the free market I, I don't know who the wife is out for it at the end of the year Kenny but Britt, obviously not no one's going to have a Kenny Britt you know that is just poison at this stage of his career I think his career is over but I don't know I think you know, the Panthers are trying to get you know more speed on on, def- on offense sorry probably going to lose him so they, they kind of got something back in return and you know Brandon Bean the new GM at the Bills he was the guy who drafted him in Carolina there's a new regime yeah. in, in uh, sorry in Bills there's a, there's a new regime down in you know South Carolina and is it North Carolina or South Carolina it's North Carolina playing Charlotte North Carolina even there we go but there's a new regime and they, they kind of have this thing where they don't like you know, playing with other people's guys. They, they don't like playing with other people's toys. It's very strange how it works in NFL, but I don't know. I think, you know, it was shocking when it first came through, but again, like the Ajay thing, you look back at it, it kind of makes sense from a long-term team-building aspect to me. That, that's how I viewed it. Okay, well, let's move on because um, Tom has uh, insisted on having some kind of fairness and balance. I mean, I thought this was Fox News, um, but apparently not. Um 
I didn't quite work, did it? They ditched that as a, as a motto, um, fair and balanced or whatever the hell it was, idiots. Fake news, isn't um, it? Right, let's move on, let's move on, because it's Pickums. This is the bit, Tom, where you get to tell me oh. how much better you are at picking um, the winners of games. Um, so, we have eight games this week. Um, Willow, as a guest, you're welcome to... Um, in fact, in fact, you better actually um, take part because I'm going to be asking you who's going to be winning. And if there's just an uncomfortable silence, it's not going to be a very entertaining pod. Just so you know. Um, well, actually, no, let's hand over to Tom because I know he likes doing this segment. Right. So I, I forgot to print off the standings, but I can remember that. I, so I'm not sure what the overall is, but I remember last week, obviously, I went for the lone pick with the Bills over the Raiders in the two-pointer. That came off me. And I remember Josh actually off-air was... You know, had a lot of remorse. They didn't actually pick the bills, but I got that one, and I believe that I got seven points from last week. Nick, you got five, and I believe Josh got four. So, I mean, this, you're still in it, Nick. I think you're about nine points adrift now, coming up to about the half sta- halfway stage in the season. So, let's see if you can you can turn it around this week. What what games have you picked for us? Um, so let's start with um, Cincinnati traveling to Jacksonville. Oh, 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 the pause means I'm picking first, is it? Well, I'm picking the Jags because you should never pick the Jags. Wait, what? Tom, uh, who are you going for? I'm going to go for Saxonville. I'm going to go for the Jags here. Willow, who are you picking? I would also go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are um, all idiots. We are all idiots, aren't we? We're picking Jacksonville. This, we should never do this. Is it an odd if, week? If this was a pools, they would be. you would call them coupon busters, wouldn't you? Um, but there we are. Um, next up, um, the Atlanta Falcons traveling up up interstate blah, 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 um, to play the Carolina Panthers. They must be linked by an interstate. Um, Willow, Atlanta or Carolina? Do I need to ask? I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. And oh no, he's picking against his own team. I have I have a system in place that I need to stick to in order for success to happen outside of me. So the Carolina Panthers in a whitewash. No, not whitewash. The other one, blowout. There we go. Tom, key. Don't want the Panthers to win, in. but don't go for the Panthers. Okay, uh, I am going. The Panthers are tempting, but. Nah, let's go for Atlanta. I'm going for Atlanta. Hero because pick. why not? Cursed. It's not really a hero pick. Well, one's four three and one's five three. Um, Denver, Denver Broncos going to Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. Tom, you're up first for this one. Well, I cannot for the life of me. I, I'm going to say this now, and they'll probably win. But I cannot back a Brock Osweiler-led team. You know the problem. The problem, you know against the Chiefs that they could move the ball on offense the defense performed very well well I don't think Brock Osweiler is the solution so I'm going to go for the Eagles Jay Ajayi going to get you know 275 (laughs) yards 15 touchdowns I am also going to go Philadelphia where are you going Willow Uh, I would ask where they're playing it but I don't think it really matters because the Eagles are going to win and it's going to be quite comfortable I do feel like this could be the surprise of the week if Denver can get a defense going just because of if Philadelphia's offensive line collapses without Jason Peters. Um, but oh, we'll see well, about that, I guess. All of you fantasy <laughs> fans out there, the Denver Broncos defense have not given away a rushing touchdown all year. Sit blunt. That's my. We should get a fantasy corner in there. That, that'll be my. That'll be... We're not getting. We're not getting a fantasy corner. Shut up. I'm carrying on with this. Right. Washington are going to the Seattle Seahawks. I. I'm going to go for Seattle. Do you, do you see that? I set that up as if I was going to 
go for Washington. But no. Um, Willow, who do you reckon? Yeah, I'd, I'd also go Seattle. Goodness me, this is a boring podcast. It's the third <laughs> out of four where it's going to be a consensus pick. I'm going for the Seahawks as well. I think I think the, ne- the next four games we've got are really a lot more interesting. So I think these are probably the, well, maybe they're the four games of the week, um, depending on what you think of Buffalo, uh, New York Jets. Um, the Chiefs at the Cowboys. Tom? Oh, I'm back and forth, but I know Zeke's suspended, but I'm going to have to go Cowboys. Is it, it's in Dallas, isn't it? It's in Dallas. There we go. I'm going to go for the Cowboys. I am going Kansas City. Willow? Have they announced who's going to be the starting running back? Alfred yeah. Morris already got him. And by the way, fan- we'll visit Fantasy Corner again. Oh, don't. No. We- right, I'm going to talk <laughs> over you. I'm going to talk over you. No, because we haven't spoken about this corner. yet. This is the biggest thing to come out of week eight is that no, it's Willow, boring and known- and annoying and I'm sick of it. Willow, also Resurgence. known as Kelsey Dagger in the inside zone fantasy started 0-6 he's now on a two game win streak watch out for Willow on, on fantasy I'm gonna go for, but okay go on Willow who's your pick <laughs> uh, no I'll, I'll go with the Chiefs Ooh. okay excellent um, Oakland Raiders at Miami Dolphins I think this is an Oakland win um, Willow what do you reckon yeah I, w- I would agree Tom you're gonna pick against your Dolphins they've got a 4-3 record to Oakland 3-5 and five. fins Oakland up baby we're going Dolphins, Dolphins. There we go. There we go. I had Raiders wrote, written down, but you guys bloody, you know, got, got to make this a bit interesting here. I'm going to go for the Dolphins. There we go. Pencil down. It's, it would be amazing that we would all pick Oakland when Miami have comfortably the better record on the season, which says a lot about how you, confidence that you can have in the Dolphins as a neutral or a fan, indeed. Um, the Detroit Lions at the Aaron Rodgers less Green Bay Packers, but this is in Green Bay. I think this is probably still a Green Bay win. Tom, what do you reckon? Go, Pat, go. Willow? You're just going to go with the same thing again. I, I've, I've, I've worked out the Packers' um, season from now until the end for them to get to the playoffs, and I've got this one down as a win. So I've kind of got to stick with my system. So I'm, I'm quite surprised that we've all gone for a um, Green Bay win. I thought I was going to be making a hero pick there, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> last pick of the day is the two-pointer, um, the Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. I am definitely going last on this because I do not have a clue. Um, Willow, who do you think? Oh. Uh, so it's, it's at the Titans, is it? Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens aren't good, but their defence is good. Now, you know what? I'll go with the Ravens. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Tom, where do you see this one? <sighs> it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, it's not hard to beat the Dolphins 40 to zip. Uh, if you look at the stats, the Ravens, one of the worst teams against the run this year, playing the exotic Smash Mouth offense that hasn't been there all year. I'm going to go for the Titans. And I am going to go for the Titans because I no I'm not I'm not going to go to Ravens obviously um, two pointer I've got to go for different to you um, that was fun wasn't it now we've um, it's near the end of the podcast quick minute for everyone on the point after um, we each get to choose a topic and then have a go about it for a minute so Willow as a newbie why don't you go first so my topic is in regards to the state of the NFL in the United Kingdom as people may or may not be aware the international series ended this weekend i know you guys didn't go because of parental and other commitments <laughs> other commitments <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, tom went on holiday I, I actually had important things That's to a, do a lack of finances would be and 
Yeah. You didn't really miss much, to be fair. But this was the first <laughs> year I went to all four games, um, and it was a, a waste of time and money. But it got me thinking as to where we're going to go from here. Um, by the sounds of it, they're going to go with four games again yeah, next year. Yeah, also Kirkwood said um, four, years is like, four games is likely. But there's a uh, a rumor now. One of but this is where some investigative journalism has paid off. A one of my sources tells me that the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is not going to be ready for next season. So, Ooh. yeah, there's going to be one game at Twickenham and one game at West Ham Stadium. Is that a good option? Do we think? And where do we where would we like to see the international series go further afield? Maybe where, have, where have you put that one from? That's the first I've heard of this. Well, I was just breaking I news here. I can't, I can't give up my sources, and I will have to scroll through my own Twitter feed to delete a series of tweets. But um, I have an insider who knows things. Is that triple source? So it's sourced in the tomato and mustard sense. <laughs> oh God. You're not coming back on this podcast ever again. <laughs> God. Uh, to respond to your question, um, I'd like to see it maybe in Cardiff at the Millennium Stadium. That's probably the only other, the only other one outside of London that I'd like to see it. Maybe up north, you know, there's a lot of northern fans. But uh, in terms of internationally, I think that there definitely should be an international series game in Germany. Maybe. Signal Iduna Park in Dortmund. That yeah. would be fantastic. Or Allianz in, in Munich would be great. Yeah, that would work. I think um, there's a bigger bigger population area around Dortmund. And, and I think that was where the majority of the NFL Europe successful teams were, if yeah. I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, so international series, I'm not going to offer an opinion because I know we're running short of time. So quickly, Tom, what's your point after? Uh, my point after was, well, I had two. The first one was, uh, is the Legion of Boom dead? But I thought that would spark such a long thing and we couldn't do it for a minute. So... Uh, my one was that, you know, is there any point paying running backs beyond their first rookie contract? I mean, you look around the league every single year. It seems that the top performers are the, are the people who seem to invest in their offensive line, which not only keeps their callbacks upright, but they, you know, they, they draft rookies high or they, they seem to get rookie production. I mean, you look at who leads the league in Russia this year. Kareem Hunt, Le'Veon Bell, okay, he's not, you know, he's not in his first rookie contract. Ezekiel Elliott, Jordan Howard, Todd Gurley. Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, OK Shady McCoy, Alex Collins, and you've got people like Devontae Freeman, Jay Ajay, and a few others there. I mean, it, for me, I, I know the running back position has, you know, I'm not breaking news here, it is undervalued. It, it's been devalued in recent years, but I'm not sure what, what it is about the guys coming out of college. Maybe it's an easier position to teach than, than maybe some of the other ones where it's a bit more technical. That's not me, you know, throwing heat on running backs. It just seems to be a common theme. But my thing is that why on earth would you invest you know 12 13 million dollars in a, in a running back when you can just take maybe a couple of guys out of college who you can just throw straight in there behind a good offensive line i mean the thing with that is that you, you don't know necessarily what you're getting in the draft um i mean i know some of draft twitter had kareem hunt down as an absolute star but i remember draft twitter having tj eldon a couple of years down as an absolute star and that didn't work out so well whereas with you know trading when buffalo traded for shady mccoy or no, no, he was released, wasn't he? He was cut, and they they picked him up. I can't even remember. Um, they knew what they were getting, and that worked. And if you've got a star running back, as say Atlanta have with Devontae Freeman, you don't really let him go because that's that's just counterintuitive. Um, okay, well, we're still short of time, so I'm going to quickly do my point after, which is just to poke fun at the Cleveland Browns, fish in a barrel. I know. Um, 
this is still trade deadline talk because the Browns and Bengals nearly agreed a trade for Bengals backup quarterback AJ McCarron. This would have netted Cincinnati second and third round picks better than the Patriots got for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and what the heck are the Browns playing at? Um, AJ McCarron is not very good. He's not bad, but he's not good. He's a game managing average quarterback. The thing is, though, they didn't confirm the trade. It didn't go through, and no one seems to know why it is. Um, the paperwork wasn't sent in. The rumour is because they were celebrating. I don't believe that for a second. What I think is more likely has happened is that head coach Hugh Jackson, who worked with McCarron in Cincinnati, negotiated this, and then um, front office staff realised that they were about to give up the house for AJ sodding McCarron and just um, pulled the plug. I mean, at this point, I think we fairly in agreement that Hugh Jackson is a busted flush in Cleveland. Um, he is either a desperate move or a thoroughly misjudged move because McCarron is not good enough for that. I think the Browns front office come out with no credit um, for what, how they've let it get to that and then fail. But I mean, I think Hugh, this is sort of like, I think if Hugh Jackson walked because it didn't get his quarter right now, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he's got a future back as a coordinator. Um, We'll see, but yeah, just not not a good situation for anyone involved from the Cleveland Browns, and that's quite often that we say that, isn't it? Um, oh well, well, I think that is it for the pod. Um, hope you stayed with us. Hope you enjoyed it. If, as Richard Ayoade on says on Crystal Maze, if you are still listening at all, um, next week is week nine, I think. Um, should, we, should we do some mid-season awards next week? I think that will be quite good. Um, we're going to have another podcast. Um, in the meantime, check out the website. That's theinsidezone.com. Um, articles all week. You can follow us on Twitter at The Inside Zone. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash insidezoneuk. And we're all on Twitter too. Tom is at TomLikeNFL. I am at LongSnapsRanked. And Willow is oh. at Willow290592. <laughs> now, I want you to explain this to us. I want you to explain where this came from because we were having a conversation about this last week and we couldn't work out what that numbering is from. Is it? Is it some kind of... Are you actually going to tell us? Is it your phone number or, or some kind of six-digit pin you have for some bank account or something? <laughs> uh, wait, it's my birthday. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> So I never forget. About, my yeah, birthday. I see. I see. Now I'm looking at you, judging at <laughs> May 22nd, 1992. Um, apart from being sickeningly young, like Tom, I hate you all. Um, yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show, everyone, and we will see you all next week for another pod. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website at www.theinsidezone.com. Till next time.